Maybe I'll throw you a curveball at the beginning of this episode. Mm. Okay. I'll try to be more combative as per the feedback. Howdy, this is Thursday, February 23rd, 2017, and this is episode 37 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? You know what's going on. Happy to be here, as always. <laughs> always thrilled to be here. Always thrilled. Drinking anything particularly good tonight? No. Rum and Coke. It's not all that great. Any special brand of rum, or just some well rum? No, it's Sailor Jerry. Uh, I'm not. I'm not familiar. Uh, I remember liking it more than I do like it. Which is why you're having it with Coke? Yeah, I I was like, this is good stuff, man. And then I drank it, and I was like, this is bad stuff. <laughs> not not actually good. Yep. Anyways. All right. We have a bunch of news to get through, but hopefully none of the news items should take all that long. So I have a question for you, Craig, something that I don't know if we specifically talked about on the podcast or not, and you can let me know if we have, but... Do you know what uh, what specifically uh, kind of led you down this path to being interested in Atlantic City and gambling? And I can answer first if you want to. Well, are you asking as like, you know, you're my shrink right now and you want the long like what happened to you in your childhood that now you like going to casinos and gambling? Because that's the way my dad would ask it. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the way you think is most interesting. So. Uh I mean, the the very short answer is, like, we – I had never gone to Atlantic City between 21 and 25 ages when actually you and, and our friends Craig and Taylor and I think Dave were going fairly regularly. And Chris. Chris was actually caught yeah. going the most of all. Yeah, and, and I never went. And I had been invited multiple times and I just never made it happen. And and it wasn't that I like was not interested in it. It just I don't know. Like it never worked out or I, like it wasn't something I was really pushing to go out of my way to do, which seems funny in retrospect. Uh and we have talked about like our IM conversations before my first trip and I've gone back and looked at them multiple times if I ever need a laugh me talking about like oh like you were like hey so what's the dress code in the casinos? <laughs> yeah. I'm like what? Yeah, and you saying like oh total for three of us for one room because we were 25 and we were three of us in one room was going to be like something stupid like 26 dollars a person (laughs) for two nights and i was like oh my god i thought it was going to be like 200 dollars a person um and you know asking about gambling rules i think at one point i said like i could totally see myself going once and being like yeah it was okay and never going back again yeah you, you definitely said that those those conversations we haven't we haven't looked at them in a i feel like a few years at this point but they are definitely good for a laugh i feel like i should go and get them and and post them as a blog post you should, you should just... post them there there's it's it's so good i just i remember the dress code thing so well <laughs> just for like archaeology podcast history um so i moved to new york uh in 2009 and shortly after that we sort of said hey let's go to atlantic city it's kind of a midpoint and so you me and and our friend taylor like you two drove up i took the greyhound down and just absolutely loved it immediately like despite just miserable miserable gambling 
Um, like some of still probably the worst blackjack run I've ever had by far to start my gambling career or whatever. Uh, but you know, two night trip had a lot of, had a lot of fun, ended the trip with a nice little win in Pai Gao poker to like cut back on some of the loss that I had over the course of the trip. And I think I lost like 200 or $250 in that trip, which at the time I was like, Oh, $250 in two nights. That's rough. <laughs> Well, like, I it think was I, a lot better. I think after the first night, we're all down like four hundred at least. I think at least you and Taylor may have been. I think I was down a little more. Yeah, I think I was down three hundred something, mm-hmm. and I don't think I went to the ATM, but I was definitely like, I do not have much money left that I brought. <laughs> um, and then you know the rest of the trip was not actually. I was up from that from that first night, at, like late in the first night until I left. Um, and it was very quickly like we need to do this again. And I think we went, you know, a few months later and then it actually picked up a little more. And it was to a point where we were going every, you know, two or three months. And almost as soon as we were done with a trip, we were talking about when to do the next trip. And and the big thing about, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011 is it was still during the economic downturn. Free rooms were just giving away like water. Uh, so... We got a lot of free rooms. We went for very, very cheap. The bus at that time was super cheap. I think it was like I looked it up a few months ago to see what I paid initially versus what I pay now. And I think it was like $28 and you got a $25 slot credit or something like that, maybe like 32 And now it's like $48 or something, $44. What a ripoff. Yeah, $44 to get me. It's like net $20 to go to Atlantic City. Yeah, and back. which is less than I'd pay in tolls. But <laughs> – uh, so it was yeah, definitely at least tolls of gas by by yeah. a pretty far wide margin. So so that's the sort of short story, uh, which I did not make short at all. But shocking. I mean, it kind of yeah. If you know me, <laughs> you're not going to be surprised. But uh, yeah, it was just sort of like this midpoint. It started as just like, hey, this is a midpoint, and it's a place that I know you guys like to go, and I've wanted to go, so let's do it. And we did it, and I just absolutely loved it. Even and it was. February or January, I think. And just something about walking out on the boardwalk in the winter and like, here's this place that's basically this playground that you feel like you have almost to yourself. Um, it was, I, I really loved it. And so ever since then, I've, I've totally loved it. And I still think about that trip as like one of the most sort of fun experiences of my life. Uh, and I've certainly had many others in Atlantic City <laughs> since then. But uh, what about you? What, what led you down this path? You certainly started earlier than I did. So, but before we get to me, is it is it like cocaine? Like you're always trying to chase that first high that you got, and it's just never quite the same. Uh, well, it's funny because it's it's not like I am a big gambler. I mean, we've talked about that many times, and it's not like I even I don't get like a huge rush from actual gambling. What I really love is sort of the atmosphere and the experience that a casino town gives you. And so I always love that. Vegas Strip, something about Atlantic City. Also, you know, just the neon lights and the sounds, which are all designed to create this sort of stimulation in you. Uh, I love all that stuff. So um, it's not really that surprising that I loved it, given that. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if that even answers your question, but... (laughs) not really, but that's fine. We can we can move on. <laughs> uh, so for me, I, I think my story is a bit more kind of traditional from you, and I, I will go way back. Um, 
So I, I think that my story will be similar to a lot of our listeners' stories sort of growing up with both sets of my grandparents. Uh, we'd always be playing poker at family gatherings and stuff for pennies. Uh, you know, generally draw poker, which is not really a thing anymore. But back when I was a little kid, that's kind of what people played, I think, when they played poker. You know, Texas Holden wasn't really a big thing yet. Um, so me and my grandparents would play poker. My my grandparents on my dad's side would go to the casinos all the time when I was a kid. Um, and then sort of a, a bit later, uh, you know, my mom started going to the casinos quite a bit. She's pretty, yeah, she's usually diamond every year or at least every year the last few years she's been diamond. Uh, so I kind of grew up around sort of poker and gambling and that kind of stuff. And it was a big part of my childhood. And, uh, you know, then when we got to like high school, uh, like me and, and my group of high school friends, which are kind of the same group of people that I'm generally with now, me, Taylor, all the people like that. We played quite a bit of poker. Um, I, I still remember one night when uh, everyone else went to Ocean City for the night because our friend uh, Craig's parents owned a place down in Ocean City. This is Ocean City, Maryland. And they were playing poker the whole time. And I, I got a phone call at like five in the morning. I stayed home because I had to work the next day. But I got a phone call at five in the morning just asking about like, you know, what's the hand ranking? Does like a flush beat a full house or not? And so it kind of bit everyone else pretty hard. And, you know, so ever since high school, me and all my friends have been playing poker all the time. And that's kind of what brought us to Atlantic City initially was a lot of it was poker. But, you know, we, we also played a decent bit of blackjack just between us and so I, I think that's kind of what led us to Atlantic City. And, and like I said, I think that story is probably going to be pretty similar to a lot of people in the group. But so the thing for you is like your family is not gamblers at all, right? In fact, quite the opposite. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny because you, as you're telling that story, I'm just thinking like, wow, my family could not be more opposite. Like the idea that our family would be sitting around and, and playing poker for pennies or something. Yeah, is like, just... yeah when I was like elementary school age, like oh, young yeah. elementary school age, we'd be playing poker for pennies. No. So my, my dad, his parents were extremely anti-gambling and he is also anti-gambling. He likes to t tell the story about how his mom, I think would call playing cards, just like a regular deck of playing cards, the devil's cards. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of that, not necessarily that strict environment, but you know, my family growing up, uh, there was like no drinking in the house. Um, you know, I think I saw my parents drink like two or three times before I was in college. <laughs> so, so none of that. And then no, just gambling was like very much uh, anti-gambling, very much not even, uh, I mean, they played the lottery every now and again, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty responsible about it Dad, no. if you're listening, <laughs> um, but which he's not right, which he's probably not, but it, it is, it is funny that I grew up in that environment, but the thing about that and I don't know if it's related to growing up in that environment is that, you know, I, I really loved like Chuck E. Cheese, right? Which sounds stupid. You know, how is that related? But the idea of going to Chuck E. Cheese where there are all these bright lights. And like I said, it's not really the gambling that, that, that gets me to Atlantic city. It's not the thing that I'm, that I'm chasing. If you will, like you said, what I'm chasing is sort of that experience of, here's this town that treats you a certain way because 
you're gambling or because you could be gambling. <laughs> and there's just this whole sort of aura about it and these bright lights and crazy, like very high energy uh, feeling around the whole thing. And even though I'm not necessarily plunking, you know, a thousand dollars on the table, which people are going to think like a thousand dollars, that's nothing, but you know, that's more than I even bring on a trip. Uh, just being around it, I love. And so, like I was saying, Ch- Chuck E. Cheese, when I was a really little kid, we didn't go that often. You know, it was maybe a couple times a year, but I loved it. And then part of Chuck E. Cheese is that you play these stupid games for tickets, right? And you get a prize that you could have bought at a dollar store or bought like a gross of through Oriental Trading for $4 <laughs> and you spent $30 of your parents' money to get 50 tickets or whatever to, to be able to get this little finger puppet. Um, but I really, I liked that aspect of it. And so like all the games at Chuck E. Cheese that are barely even games. I mean, skee-ball is a game, which I really love skee-ball, but you know, those games where you like shoot a coin onto a platform and if you knock coins down, you get tickets. Like that's the kind of crap that I would, I would gravitate toward, which is really dumb. Um, and then as I got a little older, it was like Dave and Buster's similar experience. And and the other thing with that is I was huge, huge, huge into baseball cards. And I don't think people really think of that necessarily as a form of gambling. But certainly in the 90s or so when insert cards, like chase cards that were inserted one per 20 packs or 100 packs or whatever. And then it was, you know, autographs were inserted and then game use memorabilia was inserted, like little swatches of jersey it was sort of this chase, right? Like you're going to get something, you're going to open a pack and you're going to get something that's worth a hundred dollars. And so that was sort of like my gambling growing up, which is very funny to think about in retrospect and certainly was not the way I thought about it growing up. Uh, But now that I think about it, it's like, wow, it was really about like opening a pack and just hoping that you got that one card. And in that way, it's like very similar to just buying a roll of scratch-offs and and taking a quarter and doing all the scratch-offs and hoping you win something. Uh, The difference being that none of those cards are are worth anything. Uh, So I certainly have a big stack of worthless baseball cards. Um, So I don't know. So I think it just shows that it was like part of my personality at a very young age. I don't know if that's going to make sense to anyone. Like this is just a very rambling sort of long version of like, oh, I've always sort of had this there, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's sort of why I'm interested in it and then why – not necessarily why I go because it's more the atmosphere, but why I'm interested so much in the business side of it and like what – almost the psychological side of it. Like what makes people want to do this so bad, uh, which is I think something that we kind of cover a decent amount like what yeah it's it's something we talk about at least indirectly quite a bit yeah like through the marketing aspect right effectively that's what casino marketing is and it's different than any other kind of marketing because it's about like providing this experience that i love so much and so that's why i'm so interested in the industry um which is more a question of like why do we have a podcast than a question of why do i go to atlantic city but that's a very, very, very long answer. And so I apologize to anybody who is asleep right Sleeping now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eric's son. Yeah. But if anybody wants some <laughs> 1990s baseball cards, uh, I've got a lot of Kirby Puckett and Eric Davis ready for anyone. Uh, so just, just a couple quick 
quick things to say in, in response to what you said. So you said you, you only occasionally did the lottery. So every, every Christmas, like a large part of what we get from my mom are scratch off tickets. And it's like a large part of our Christmas presents. So, <laughs> so again, just, just a big difference in it. Uh, something else that we did that wasn't gambling, but we played like a lot of pinochle growing up in my house. So it's just card games. And then in high school, we played like a ton of hearts, our group of friends, like a ton of hearts. So, uh, so I, we in in we definitely in high school played some dollar a hand spades, hearts, all those kind of games. Tonk. I don't know if Tonk is even like anything that anybody understands what is outside of like a certain area in Maryland. But um those kind of games, like it's basically a fake version of Rummy. Uh, so I definitely did that. The other thing that you mentioned, the scratch-offs, we did get scratch-offs in our stocking, like maybe when we were 12, 13, 14, and there was definitely sort of a disapproving look from my dad because my mom is the one who did it. <laughs> uh, so so we got those for a few years, um, and then that stopped. And then look look how you ended up, Craig. And and my mom did take us to the state fair and took us to the horse track a couple times and, oh, and gave us like two bucks to pick a horse. So and this that, is basically totally your mom's fault. Well, I mean, part of it is like it's this forbidden thing, right? So it's very exhilarating when it does happen because you're like, ooh, we're at the horse track. This is exciting when in reality, like, yeah, two bucks, you know, <laughs> is that really that exciting? Like you win, you get right. maybe two bucks or <laughs> a few bucks. So, um, but it is funny that it's, it almost made it enticing in that way. Um, but you know, not to the point that I feel like it's my cocaine, like you said, <laughs> I mean, just, you know, my, my father's parents passed away probably, well, both by the time I was in, in college, but you know, a lot of my memories of them are just me either playing, poker with both of them or, or pinochle with both of them. So it's like a large part of what I remember about them is, is card games. So it was definitely a big part of, of growing up for me was playing card games with, with my family, especially with my grandparents on, on my dad's side and my grandfather on my mom's side. So, so it's really funny though, because I feel like if you were, I I've heard with certainly with like drinking, I've heard both sides of it. Like if you want your kids not to drink, you should never have alcohol in the house. Mm -hmm. Or if you want your kids not to drink, you should drink you know, responsibly, drink responsibly and show them that, yeah, that's what people right. do. So we have both sides of it here and we mm -hmm. both ended up, you know, we like to go to the casinos. And <laughs> so, you know, well, I think a lot of it's going to be nature over nurture yeah. and whatever. So. Sort of interestingly, my dad doesn't gamble at all, and he also does not drink at all. So, but his parents both love to gamble. So it skips a generation. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's like baldness or something. All right, it's science. Anyway, I, now that we've gotten that out of the way, hopefully that was a little bit interesting. That's just something that I've been thinking about. I thought could be interesting, just both for honestly me to hear kind of your story because I I knew that. You came from a family that was very disapproving of gambling, so I thought it was interesting. But uh, hopefully for our listeners as well. Yeah. I mean, interesting for me to talk about, so <laughs> hopefully interesting for people to hear. <laughs> it isn't that what's important here. It is. My enjoyment is what is important here. All right. Let's 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 get to the news. Uh, it's all so fun, the news. Yeah. No, it, we should be able to blow through this. I don't think there's anything too major. I mean, we have maybe one or two talking points for each thing, but... Uh, 
Anyway, we've been talking a lot over the past few months and honestly over the past few years with some of the old stuff like Saka Subs going away that, that Harrah's uh, in Atlantic City is moving more and more to generic restaurants. And yet another example has occurred. Uh, Dos Caminos, uh, the Mexican place, is now Veracruz. Um, do you want to say a little something about that? Sure. So, uh, Seven Stars Insider Daryl McEwen um, is the first person that I saw <laughs> mention this. And, and so I'll link to his uh, re- most recent newsletter. And the interesting thing, I mean, we talked a lot about it last episode. And last episode was called Going Generic. So obviously this is a follow-up on that. But Dos Caminos now um, has gone to sort of like generic Mexican place. Sammy D's is going to be a generic cafe. Bill's Bar and Burger is going to be a generic burger place. All of those restaurants were part of uh, Be Our Guest, BR the letters, Be Our Guest Hospitality. Um, so there are now no more Be Our Guest restaurants at Harrah's. And, and the interesting thing about that is that there are two, I think, um, Landry's restaurants at Harrah's, McCormick and Schmick's and one other, I think. Um, well, Morton's at Caesars is, is a yep. Landry's restaurant. Um, I'm not sure if there's another one at Harris or not. Someone will correct me, I'm sure. But uh, those are still heavily involved. So I think there was some speculation that like Harris is trying to cut out these Landry's restaurants because Landry's is owned by Tillman Fertitta, uh, who owns the Golden Nugget, which is obviously direct marina competition for Harris. But you know the Landry's stuff is still there. Uh, they also own the... Uh, Rainforest Cafe, for those of you who <laughs> go to Rainforest Cafe at Boardwalk. Um, and they own just about everything in Golden Nugget, not surprisingly. You know, Chart House, Vic and Anthony's, all that stuff. Uh, but so far, those restaurants have been untouched. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, is this really a movement toward generic? I mean, obviously, we've seen it at Borgata. We've seen it at, at Harrah's in the lower end, like their food court side. Now we're seeing it with all the BR guest restaurants. Or, you know, is it possible that they just had some deal end or falling out or whatever with Be Our Guest and wiped all their restaurants out? And it's just sort of like coincidence that a couple of years apart, these things all went to generic. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I don't have any idea of the specific reasons behind it, but it does seem like I don't know if it's some concerted effort on either the Harris side or or on the BR guest side to either pull out of Atlantic city. If you're BR guest or get them out of Atlantic city, if you're, if you're Harrah's, but it, I, I think it's just something that I believe I said last episode, maybe Harrah's is just thinking they can make more money by operating restaurants than they can by renting out the space because, you know, sack of subs obviously is the, the first example or what the Philadelphia pretzel factory or whatever used to be in the food court. You know, they all went away a while ago and they weren't, affiliated with this company or with Landry's or with anyone else. So that's still my guess that Harris just wants to be running this stuff themselves, but I, I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, they are adding a Starbucks to that food court, but I feel like, right. but, but Starbucks is something that I think like, is there a big difference between sack of subs and generic sub place? Like maybe, maybe not, but like for most people, I think Starbucks is like, you know, it's a big difference between Starbucks and, Harris coffee shop. Oh yeah, I agree. Totally. People go out of their way for Starbucks, uh, right. you know, whether you agree with that or not, but that's sort of the, <laughs> the, the, the attraction there. Um, and I, I mean, and Bally's getting a Dunkin' Donuts. So 
yep. as far as the sort of big loyalty coffee chains that people have, like they've got those things covered. Uh, do you have anything else to add about generic restaurants or can we put this thing to bed? I think we can, we can move right along. You want to talk about the next one? Yeah. Until they genericize, um, to make up a word, McCormick and Schmicks and Martiranos and everything else at Harris, in which case we will bring this back up. (laughs) Uh, so you want me to jump into the Senate state news? This is like your, your thing. So sure. Run Uh, with it. So the Senate, uh, we talked about this several times, this bill, the Taj killer, as we called it, basically saying that if you close a casino, you cannot reopen it for five years unless you have a deal with the union. That got vetoed by Chris Christie, like we said last episode, as we expected. Uh, And when it passed, it had a veto overriding majority. So it seemed like they could, if they wanted to push it through, And I am going to sit here and pat myself on the back. So the sound you hear in the background is me stretching to pat myself on the back. But uh, I said I think it's just going to die (laughs) because I think that there's not going to be that much excitement about pushing this thing through. I think people just voted for it knowing that it's going to be vetoed. Um, And despite seemingly having a veto-proof majority and having it on the agenda to apparently bring to a vote, it got pulled at the last minute. So... Uh, I'll link to the article, Nicholas Huba article from the Press of Atlantic City. Uh, They yanked it at the last minute. Uh, So I I do, you know, I just said I pat myself on the back, but I I have to say with the information we've gotten since then, with Carl Icahn voluntarily voluntarily giving up the casino license, there's really just not that much incentive to push this thing through, right? Like, what is this affecting if it's not affecting the Taj like it's not directed at anybody anymore so what's really the fervor for passing this thing so it's really not all that surprising that they just said eh whatever Um, it seemed like they did not have the votes that's sort of the speculation but uh, interesting little story of politics uh, that we probably talked a lot about considering that nothing ever came of it but uh, if you care about this sort of stuff and how the state views gambling and, and what the state is trying to do in Atlantic City uh, it's an interesting case study for sure. I don't really have too much to add. Like I said, this is all yours. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's it. That, that ends that story. So another all thing right. we can put to so, bed. Yeah, we can move on. So it's this is something I think that we've probably talked about since episode one, the outstanding tax bill that uh, this, the city of Atlantic City owes Borgata after they uh, basically took the city to court over what they thought were kind of unfairly high property tax bills uh, in like 2009 through what, like 2015 or something like that. And uh, so the state of New Jersey, now that they're the official overlords of Atlantic City, have reached an agreement with Borgata where instead of paying the, I don't know, something like $150 million that was owed, they're paying basically half that. I think it's around $75 million. Like, and let me find the real numbers. Yeah, it was one, 165 was what was originally owed, and the new amount is 72 It's right. less than half, significantly less than half. Right, so th- this seems to be a pretty good deal for the city, or I guess the state now, since the state handles all that. But uh, I don't know, do you have any, any comments about this? Just that it was a big surprise. I mean, this seemingly came out of nowhere. Um, and maybe, you know, Christian Hetrick, who who wrote this article, uh, would, would disagree strongly and say that they've been covering this. Um, but to me, it came out of nowhere. Uh, 
maybe and maybe I just wasn't following it close enough, but very surprising to me because it seemed like Borgata kind of had the upper hand for most of this, and we had sort of talked about throughout the history of our podcast, like what leverage does Borgata really have because the city can just go bankrupt. And in a weird way, I thought the state taking over almost took that leverage away from the city because you sort of knew the state wasn't going to let the city go bankrupt. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what happened here. I mean, I don't know what leverage the state used except that when MGM bought half the remaining half of the Borgata from Boyd Gaming, they paid $900 million for it, which would indicate a value of $1.8 billion. But I don't know, you know, what kind of chance the state had to go back and like reassess the reassessment. I don't know if that's even allowed. So I don't know if the state was able to part to sort of leverage that and say, look, you got a, a sweet deal. We have basically have this proof now that this is bullshit. And so, so you're never going to get your 165 million, but, uh, Certainly something that Chris Christie can put a feather in his cap and say, look, the state, the city could not get this done. They would have taken this deal and with proof that they would have taken the deal because when they put it in their, their plan that they sent to the state before the takeover, I think they said the amount was going to be 105 that they were going to settle for. And Borgata was like, whoa, we're not going to settle for 105. Like we've never agreed to this. Um, and so here he, you know, the state comes in, um, and and their overseers of the city get this deal done. Uh, I think the state probably has a little more clout to make Borgata's life hell, <laughs> you know, and to make right. MGM's life hell. And and so who knows? Maybe we'll find out that there's some inner workings here. You know, you know, you know me. You know, I like to go into sort of talking out of my ass theories. about conspiracy theories. You know, so who knows about potential future expansion or whatever, whatever. But uh, interesting, very, very interesting that they came through and made this deal. I don't know if you have anything to add about that. No, I agree with you. It is it is kind of weird timing because I, I would believe now that the state is kind of running the city, obviously there's going to be zero risk of bankruptcy now. So, I mean, unless Borgata really saw the writing on the wall that they thought some judge was going to step in and lower it beyond that. Like, I don't know what incentive they really had to agree to this, but like you said, I mean, the state can really make their lives miserable if they want to. So, I mean, it could have just been an extension of that, but I'll be interested to see what comes out over the next few months about this. If, if anything else does. Yeah. And, and with pi that pilot, the payment in lieu of taxes, it really seemed like Borgata was in the clear, right? Like they had agreed to say like, well, we're going to pay this amount. And so you, it seemed like the state had no leverage at all. And so to do this is pretty shocking, but um, interesting stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, good to get yeah. it done. <laughs> well, anyway, moving on, uh, our friend Bart Blatstein of the showboat. Uh, a favorite, has, a favorite of, of do for a win. Do for a win favorite. Yes. Bart Blatstein has bought a bunch of, property around the showboat, uh, including the garden pier, uh, the volleyball courts, which I, remind me if I'm wrong, but I thought he bought that like eight months ago or something. So both of these, the garden pier and the volleyball court, the city, I think had said months and months ago that he was sort of the preferred buyer. And this right, fin because, finally closes. Right. It because I remember Glenn Stroud made like a huge stink about it. Cause he was offering more money than Blatstein. Right. Right. 
Um, so, so this, I think finally closes that out. They sort of agreed to terms, I guess. Okay. So I guess this is just to finalize and, and some lots in the, in the inlet. Um, so basically, I mean, he said that this is going to be part of whatever the new Atlantic city that he's helping to build, whatever the big entertainment district that he wants. Um, we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, do you have anything to, to say? I know we've talked quite a lot about kind of trying to figure out what Bart Blatstein is actually up to, what his final vision looks like. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to get pie in the sky about it, it gives him a big connecting land where you kind of have this L-shaped thing from showboat to those volleyball courts between showboat and revel and then out to that garden pier. Uh, and the garden pier has certainly been underutilized uh, over time with that you know, the Atlantic city history museum that was closed for a very long time after Sandy, I think just after opening in that location. Um, but again, it's, it's so hard not to, not to be cautious with, with this because we've seen what's happened with the playground where it opened with all these grand plans and, and we haven't seen that come to fruition too much and showboat opened and, and it has sort of stagnated, you know, I'm going to say, uh, I was about to say, I don't want to be overcritical, but we've been so critical, uh, deservingly so, <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of the way Showboat opened. Um, and, and he didn't provide any insight at all. I mean, it, his quote in this article, which is another Christian Hetrick article in Press of Atlantic City, is, I'm not going to disclose what I'm going to do with them, but this is our continued confidence in the rebirth of Atlantic City, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. So that, again, I mean, he comes right out and says that he's telling you nothing. Uh, so these sales closed last Friday, February 17th. He has now that, that land, the other inlet land was a, they didn't initially announce who had bought it. And then it came out that it was him. That land is disconnected. It's over closer to Gardner's basin. Uh, but you know, who, who knows what he's going to do with it. And, and if the CRDA will say it's zoned for whatever he wants to do with it, which is the other part of it that that you kind of have to to wonder if anything even can happen, but yeah, very, very early stages. Just please get something done so that this, this showboat is, is more than what it is right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the showboat's in bad state. So I, I'm still, you know, whatever, maybe I'm just always the optimist on the show, but I'm hoping that there is actually a plan and like things actually happen there. But if you look, I don't know if you watched like the brief video that they had about this on the press of Atlantic city page that we're linking to, but like the shot of the volleyball courts, it just like, all I could see is it had like the tattered total reward signs on the side of the showboat that are still up there, even though they're like totally shredded and look awful. So, and there ain't no total rewards inside. No, you're not getting any do AC drinks at the showboat right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so one thing I will say that this, you know, I've definitely been a pessimist about this lately, uh, is if you're of the mind, which I certainly have been going down that path, that Blatstein is only buying up stuff and hoping that there's someone a, else comes in and makes it better. Yeah. That Atlantic city gets better and he can just profit on, on being a big landholder. He's been in Atlantic city for a while now. And so, right. so and nothing's happened. Well, and nothing, but he's still buying land. So, so you think he would 
have seen this and said, oof, this has taken a while. So that sort of gives me a reason for hope that he actually does have a plan. Uh, or at least that he's seen the signs of things that he likes to continue buying, which is, you know, that's, if anything, a reason for optimism. I mean, certainly we see the downsides of, you know, part, partially his doing of the showboat being stagnant and 10 not being open and Taj closing and, ah, oh man, that's all very depressing stuff. But despite all that, he is still buying land. So that to me is you have to sort of take that as a good sign, whether you think he's going to do good things with it or not. I just hope he does good things with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's, that's the shortest path the, to <laughs> the showboat certainly is not a good thing. So, yeah. I mean, he still says he's got big plans, so yeah. hopefully we'll see. start coming to fruition. So big, big news for you, Craig. Yes. Uh, the designers of Danger Arena have released a new slot machine called Ferris Secret Temple. Um, is that going to be the first thing you do when we get to Atlantic City in two weeks? Probably not the first. Um, but we is have it? to once again thank Chauncey B3WOV on Twitter. Uh, yes, for the, tipping the tiles fanatic the tiles fanatic uh for tipping us off about this uh showing us a picture of it getting uh being up at caesar's trop uh tropicana today tweeted that it is also up and available at tropicana so two casinos at the very least have it in caesar's it's in the upper casino level near the total rewards desk tropicana i couldn't quite tell where it was but i think it's sort of in the the bank of slots between 10 North Lounge and, uh, like, if you go out of 10 North Lounge and you walk towards the video poker area and keep walking, I think that's where it is based on the picture, but I couldn't confirm 100%. So we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, so, you know, our experience with Danger Arena... Uh, how, if you had to describe that in in a word or two, how would you describe our experience with Danger Arena? Unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it was bad. It's a bad game. Um, but you you couldn't get enough of it. But I mean, I played I played it for a long time, but I definitely you know noticed the shortcomings and and it was not the most enjoyable experience. But uh, so and I have no desire to play it again. But this game, I saw a picture, and it looks like Candy Crush, which is what we were thinking more of what skill-based games would be coming in. Not a first-person shooter, not shooting robots, not a danger arena. But something like this where you are basically playing a cell phone-style game, um, and then your bonus is, is based on that. So I'm guessing it's going to be a very – the inner workings are probably very similar to Danger Arena as far as how the payouts work. So I expect you're probably pay, playing a game of, of what's effectively Candy Crush or like, I don't know what other versions. Of, there are so many versions of that game. Um, and the payout will be based on how well you do, but you'll only be able to do as, you know, as well as what they give you to start with. Like they're not – your op- opportunity is predetermined. Like how high you can win is predetermined. Um, and, and the payout – looks very similar as far as at the top of the screen it shows you you know what you have to get and what the payouts are it looks very similar to the arena which is not surprising but i'll say i'm 
I can't help but be excited about this game because this is what I was expecting in the first place. And this is way more exciting to me than a first-person shooter because I'm terrible at those games. But also, like, this makes so much more sense for the broader audience. So I'm hoping they figured out their shit. There is absolutely no reason that this game should be any kind of strain on any kind of processor because it can play flawlessly on your phone. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we don't see any issues with let's, that. Come on, let's... You could play Danger Arena on your phone flawlessly, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you could certainly... <laughs> you, I mean, I've been playing better graphically games than Danger Arena on yes. my phone ever since I got my new phone. So, there. I mean, there's no excuse, but I just... I want it to be good. I really want it to be good. So I'm excited to play it. I'm nervous about it, but we will definitely come back with a review after our trip in a couple of weeks. Are, are you excited at all, or are you just like, this thing's going to suck, or are you just totally down on it? No, I don't think this thing's going to suck. Um, am I excited about it? Not really, but I think that at this point in the... You know, it's it's just skill-based gaming is a brand new thing. So they're going to be trying out a bunch of different stuff and trying to get their sea legs. And I think that this is going to be uh, uh, far better than Danger Arena, I'm sure. But, like, personally for me, like, this isn't the kind of game that I really enjoy. So uh, I am not excited to play it personally. But I think it'll do better for them than uh, Danger Arena. And I think it'll be a better representation of what skill-based gaming could be than Danger Arena being that I don't think it'll be uh, absolutely awful. So so the thing about this game that I'll say, uh, it, the, the thing that Dangerina sort of has going for it is that it's just an incredibly slow burn, right? And you only get one tier credit every $25, partly because of that. But for if you are looking for a game that you can just sit down at and play for an hour, right? And lose next to nothing. I'm going to guess that this is similar because I'm going to guess that the games are, again, going to be 25, 30, 45 seconds for whatever you want to bet going all the way down to like 50 cents. And if you get a portion of that back, great. What I would hope is that it's more frequent that you get a portion or a hundred percent of your money back or a little more. I think they, one thing they need to work on is that ratio because ignoring all the technical difficulties with danger arena to me, the a very frustrating thing. I was going to say the most frustrating thing, but that's a lie. <laughs> a very frustrating aspect of the design of the game in, from a gambling standpoint is that you just get 50% of your money back 80% of the time. And it's like, that's not fun. If I just know what I'm going to get every time, it that is not gambling. That's not why people go to the casino. <laughs> so they need to tweak that and say like, yes, quite a bit of the time you're going to get zero. Some of the times you're going to get three times or four times or five times. And it's not just going to be like you happen to hit this this like bonus tile uh, somewhere on the board. Um so working out the sort of ratio again for people's like psychology of, Oh, I have a chance to win more than 1.5 times my money uh, is something right. they need to figure out and we'll see if they did or not, but I'm excited. I'm yeah. interested. I'll definitely play it. I'm interested to see what it's like because my big concern is that this is just going to be like, I don't know how much candy crush you've played a lot. Have you played it oh, quite yes. a lot? Yeah. 
like these are all going to just be like the super late levels, right? Where it's like you have like a one in fifty chance of it even being solvable, if it's even exactly that, right? It's just going to be something that a lot of times that even it's going to be way more obvious than Danger Arena is to like even a relatively uneducated person about this kind of thing that like wait a minute like they gave me this board and like it's not possible for me to win are you worried about that not until you just said it but because that's the way it has to be right yeah i mean it absolutely has to be that way and 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 like with danger arena like it still like seems random right you know even though you like people like you and me, we know in the back of our mind, like, yeah, this this is rigged, you know, like what the hell? Every robot's invincible. Like this sucks. When you just look at a board and you're like, What the what the hell is this? Like what am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's a really interesting point that I had not thought of. Um I mean so... it's probably more like bejeweled than Candy Crush, where like there's random blocks falling down, but like still yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to play it and, and take a look at it, but I, I feel like to me at least it's gonna be like obvious on the boards that you're really just like it's just not possible. Ah oh, man. So this is you're tampering my excitement quite a bit. <laughs> tempering my excitement. But uh so the interesting thing about that, and that maybe Danger Arena does well, although it's incredibly frustrating, is that you will finish a level that you never had a chance to win ascent on. And be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so close. If I just could have killed one more robot, I would have gotten right, my money because back. Because it's it's hard to tell. Like, you don't have visibility into that. Like, you know, what percentage of robots are being vulnerable or whatever. And there's like maybe only five robots on that map that you ever could have killed, but you haven't killed them all. So, yeah, and that's a very like video game. That's an experience right. that video gamers are used to. Like the game that yeah. I'm playing a lot right now is a, a tower defense type of game. Um, called Star Fox Guard that I got for $3 at GameStop. But, uh, and it is very much that experience of like, I was, I just needed to kill one more, it's robots, one more robot. And I would have beat this level, but it is beatable. And, and that's, and you know that going in right? and it's hard in danger arena to adjust yourself to that, to be like, Oh, it's not beatable. Some of the time when you see a grid and you see like, I can only connect so many, like, four <laughs> rows of dots. You're right. I mean, you're you're going to be like, this is – you're going to see it and you're going to say, there's nothing to do here. I, Although maybe maybe that's giving people a lot of credit. Like, maybe the grid's big enough that you're going to look at it and you're going to have to do quite a few moves before you realize, like, oh, man, I was screwed from the start. And, right, and I think that's what they're they're kind of banking on that it's going to be complex enough people won't be able to figure it out. But I think that people who are like let's say generally good at games or generally good at this kind of game or play a ton of Bejeweled, like I think they'll be able to figure out pretty quickly. Like, hey, this like this isn't right, you know, like this isn't possible. Yeah, and and you also have to trust Game Co to make it not obvious, <laughs> right? right? Which I, I'm not necessarily. Which there that's on. like the whole this sort of single player skill based game like that's the whole that's the difficulty is making it so that the player can't be a winning player but doing it subtly enough to not totally turn everyone off and i think that this format it's a very challenging format to do it with so i'm interested to see what it's like i mean i'm going to play it just to see but yeah i suspect i'm not going to walk away happy i think if they give you enough time i think it could be done in a way where you have to be so deep in it before you realize that you're screwed 
yeah. that you think it's, like, it's well, possible. maybe if I had done X, Y, Z in my first three moves, I actually wouldn't have been screwed. It's possible. But I, yeah, I don't know that, that the developers for this are that proficient and the example we've seen. Yeah. It makes us we'll skeptical. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'll play it. Uh, right. If it sucks, I'll hop over to Danger Shack, Arena. Shack Jack. <laughs> no, not Danger Arena, Kyle. Uh, so, so now that we're talking video games. Yeah, we're talking about skill-based gaming, right? So uh, something that's probably more a bigger deal for me than you. Uh, esports are coming to Atlantic City, I think, for the first time, or at least the first time that we've ever talked about. The first time that I know about, right? Yeah, first certainly for me, first I've ever heard. So there's a big uh, Gears of War 4 tournament coming to Caesars. Uh March 31st through April 2nd. Uh, spectator tickets are $20. Uh, you can enter as a team for $200, and top prize is $70,000. Um, yeah, so, cool. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on esports, I guess, before I kind of go into my spiel? I mean, I, was, I, was, I know you are very, very bullish on it, and I've always sort of been, been like, uh, you know, nobody's ever going to, you know, choose esports over real sports. Like that's not going to be a spectator thing, but I think I am very quickly being proven wrong because <laughs> the growth of esports has just been insane, and not just from the player standpoint, but from the spectator standpoint, which is surprising to me because I like to me like watching people play video games just sounds awful. But uh, you need to, it's a big thing. You need to hang out on Twitch more often, then. Yeah, I mean, I watch people play poker on Twitch, but. Yeah. I have not watched very much video gaming on Twitch. Um, but one thing I'll say, actually, so I, I'm a Nintendo dork. Um, and the Nintendo Switch is m- moving into this area. The one thing that they, in their promo trailer trailer for the Nintendo Switch, they showed an eSports arena with people playing Splatoon, the greatest game ever made for anybody who does not have Splatoon, which is 99.9% of the population, uh, in this eSports style. And... In the new version, you will be able to just go and be a spectator somewhere and watch a four-on-four Splatoon match. And I could totally see myself watching a four-on-four Splatoon match. So coming back around to what you have said, like I can see this getting bigger. Right. I mean, so I'll give my little spiel on esports. I know that uh, Dr. Dave talked had a spiel on esports in the Vegas gang, so that was a little while ago. And uh, Vegas Fanboy also had a spiel on esports. And I know for me, like, this is something that I know very well. Like, I, I do watch uh, Twitch. Like, I'm personally, like, I enjoy esports. I've played Dota since 2003 or four. I mean, I was playing in college back when it was Dota 1. Um, I, I think that, like you said, I think it's it is the future. I mean, I think that it's already so big. I, I would guess that among people like let's say 14 to 21 like it probably is already bigger than real sports and i think that that's kind of the trajectory it's going to continue to take Uh, i think it's a huge deal i think that everyone who's kind of getting into this now are probably going to be end up being pretty happy in five years um of course at some point we're going to reach like peak esports and it's going to actually have gotten like too big and then it's going to contract but i don't think we're anywhere close to that now um, specifically about Gears of War 4, I'm not a big FPS person. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know that it is even bigger than, you know, I follow more like MOBAs and CCGs. 
You're going to have to explain what those are, Kyle. Okay, so MOBAs are multiplayer online battle arenas. I don't know. You can correct me if that's wrong, but basically it's a game where it's one team against another. Every player controls a hero, and you basically try to take an objective, which is usually kind of killing like some base of the opponent's team. And, you know, you get kills and you buy items and stuff like that. That's like Dota, League of Legends uh, are the the big ones, uh, Heroes of the Storm. And then CCGs, collectible card games, are basically card games that you play, like Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone are the the two big ones, but there's a lot of smaller ones as well. And I know, like, personally, like, CCGs are huge among actual gamblers, too. Like, a lot of poker players really enjoy CCGs. Daniel Daniel Legranu is someone who... uh, really loves Hearthstone and talks about it a lot. A lot of kind of poker pros also play Magic the Gathering and are very, very good at that. I mean, there's a lot of crossover there, obviously, because it takes the same kind of skills to be good in either. Um, so that's kind of more what I follow. I'm not a big first-person shooter person, so I don't know a whole lot about Gears of War. I also don't really follow console gaming at all, which is much more your kind of interest, although you're specifically Nintendo. I don't think you know as much about Xbox or PlayStation 4. But uh, No, I didn't even know what console Gears of War 4 was on until... Uh, X- yeah, Gears of War, I believe, is Xbox. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I didn't know until I saw that this press release was on Xbox.com. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that I think, I think FPSs are bigger than both the uh, MOBAs and CCGs. So, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know Counter-Strike is just absolutely huge. Uh, Battlefield, all, all the games like that. Uh, so, good idea. I think it's going to work out well for Caesars, and they're going to be happy they're getting in. And, you know, even if some specific event doesn't work, I mean, I think a lot of events do work. And, you know, something I was thinking about a few years ago is they, they have uh, Dota 2 tournaments in Las Vegas, like, or at least they used to, not infrequently. And I was thinking about trying to make it happen a couple of years ago before I had a kid and stuff. It, it didn't quite happen, but I think it's pretty cool. And I think it's going to be really big. So, Yeah, and, and just a couple things. Um, first of all, we have to thank uh, YourTripReports.com, who is the, uh, gave us the heads up for this on Twitter. Uh, and I think what you just said, though, really brings it home as to why this is happening in casinos. Because I think a lot of people who are our, our age and older who don't really do this, you know, esports thing or don't know what it is or, or are confused about the idea that you're going to go watch people play these types of games don't understand why this is happening in casinos, but there is a gambling connection there. Uh, and, and one of the things that's coming out lately is that there's more been more gambling on these events, like <laughs> people get people yes. who are not involved betting more on who's going to win. And so like There's, that whole actually, dynamic, it's actually a huge story about just gambling on all of these events, both, uh, gambling money, but kind of far more common has been gambling sort of in game items on these third party sites. And I know that, uh, like valve is the big, you know, one of the big video game companies who runs both, uh, team fortress two and Dota two. Uh, kind of cracking down on all of this gambling going on of they're called skins, but basically it's kind of in-game cosmetics or items, things that don't affect your, the actual gameplay, but just affect what your character looks like or whatever. Uh, it's, it's been a huge thing, but yes, gambling has gone hand in hand with esports for basically the entirety of esports. Yeah. So, so keep going. Sorry. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say. It's not really shocking 
that casinos would get involved because there is a gambling aspect. So I think that's why we're seeing these things converge. Whereas I think a lot of people are sort of looking at this and sort of saying like, this is just a shot in the dark at the millennial market, which maybe it is, but there is a reason it's happening in casinos. Yeah. I mean, but it's, this is, this is big among millennials or even kind of like the, you know, half generation younger than millennials. Like, like I said, if you're, if you're someone who's like 13, 14, 15 right now, like, I promise you're spending more time watching Twitch than they are watching ESPN or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's big. It's it's big. It's it's going to be it's going to be I mean, it already is big money now, but it's going to be even more so in the future, I think. Yeah, so anyway, hopefully this thing, you know, gets a big crowd and we hear about how awesome it is, so. Yeah. Uh restaurant week. It's uh, happening the week that we're in Atlantic City. Yes, I will get there on the last day of it. You'll get there the day before. Yes. Uh, so March 5th through 10th is AC Restaurant Week. Uh, basically, everybody's participating. <laughs> like There are very few things that are not on that list, and I'll link to the list of restaurants in the show notes. Um, sort of the key points, lunch is $15.17. Dinner is $35.17. If you've never done one of these restaurant week things, typically there's a dedicated menu. You get to sort of pick, yeah. uh, you know, like an appetizer, small appetizer, entree, dessert from the menu, and it's this flat price. Those prices do not include taxes, beverages, or gratuity. So keep that in mind. Tip your servers. Uh, and I mean, I was just looking down the list and it was hard to figure out what was not on it because there are so many things on it. So like Chef Ola's is not on it. Cafe 2825 is not on it. Uh, a couple of the big casino places at Borgata, like Old Homestead and Bobby Flay Steak, are not on it. But otherwise, um, a lot of the big places, Docks, Knife and Fork, Iron Room, for non like the big sort of non-casino places, if you've been waiting to go to those, this might be an opportunity. Um, a lot – I mean just about everything in the casinos, like the steakhouses uh, – I think Izakaya is on there, which I'll I'll pimp one more time. <laughs> how good Izakaya is, um, just a ton of stuff. So I'll link to it, and you can see one one weird thing is that AC Burger Co is on it, um, but not participating in lunch. So I don't know what value you're getting at AC Burger Company for thirty five dollars and seventeen cents for dinner, because I'm pretty sure appetizer, burger, dessert, I would still be right in that range if not less <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh it's kind of funny to see that but most of them are doing both lunch and dinner um so check out the list we'll link to it i don't know if you have anything else to add about restaurant week so where are we going for dinner on uh friday or on lunch the, on the are you 10th? gonna be down for lunch yeah. yeah yeah i'll get down right around lunchtime uh no idea budokan we should do budokan i think we should do budokan for dinner which Budokan is on the list, Continental's on the yeah. list. I think we should do Budokan for dinner on uh, the 10th. Yeah, we could do early dinner or something. Because and... I'm sure it'll be crowded Friday night, I would think. Especially since it's significantly more cheap than it usually is. Yeah. Um, and then I'm assuming you don't have to do the restaurant week menu. Some places in New York, I know it's like, yeah. this yeah, is the menu. Probably not. Uh, I would do so... it, because I'm cheap. But Yeah. Let's do it. Planned. Done. Something on done. the books. Look at, us, look at us planning ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so now finally have gone to Budokan, kind of the place I've been waiting to go the longest. So assuming we actually go. We'll do it. We'll go. 
Paul had already mentioned he wants to go, so we'll go. Cool. So we'll have to figure out where we're going for lunch then when you get down there. Although if we're going to do early dinner, maybe we can just have a snack for lunch or something. Irish pub. Pickle lilies. Oh, we could get a snack at Irish pub. We could. Smart. We need to hit up Irish pub and pickle lilies. Got to. Yeah. At some point. We say that every time we go. Oh, it's not even on the thing, but there was some uh, news actually that came out about the general area uh, this week. Apparently... Uh, there's some new consortium that's looking to develop, uh, I think, uh, Tennessee Ave, which is right where those are, and try to make it kind of like this pleasant outdoor place. And I think the first thing that is going to be opening in a couple months is a coffee shop, which is something that people have complained about Atlantic City not having one of yet. Uh, I don't have any of this in front of me because it's not in the show notes, so I'm doing it off of memory. But have you seen anything about this? Did you see the stories about it? I heard about it very briefly, but I think I was on vacation when this came out and, and didn't follow up on it. <laughs> so that's why it's not in the show notes. So blame me. Uh, we'll try Bad to find hosting. something to link up. But I, I think the – just because you mentioned Irish Pub and, and Piccolelli, it popped into my head. Uh, but so – uh, I know one of the developers is the guy who owns the Iron Iron Room and a couple other things in Atlantic City, and there's a few other people who are trying to make this kind of like pleasant outdoor area in Atlantic City right off the boardwalk with some various shops and stuff. And kind of like I said, the first step is going to be a, a coffee shop that's going to be opening soon. Uh, so I don't know. Is that something that sounds interesting to you? Let me... While you talk, I'll try to find a link and send it to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think the coffee shop thing is interesting. I mean, obviously, that area really needs some some development and to be more pleasant. Um, but it is funny, like, if you want non-Starbucks sort of coffee shop hipstery sort of vibe, you pretty much have to go to Ventnor. <laughs> um, so it, it would be cool to have that sort of a hangout place in Atlantic City. I'm not sure I'd spend a ton of time there, but I'd certainly wander in and get uh, you know, a pastry or a muffin or something and a coffee in the morning. Cause that's like right in my wheelhouse for, for what I like for breakfast. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't, I, I don't have a lot of detail. So hopefully this is, uh, it, you know, based on your description, I'm going to say this sounds awesome and I, I want it to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like the right kind of people are involved and, and hopefully this is something that ends up working out. I mean, I think it's something, this is the kind of thing that like Atlantic city really needs, you know, people who have a, proven track record of doing things in Atlantic city. And I actually have some faith in them doing something anytime soon. And, you know, it's not like them shooting for the moon necessarily, but just trying to make these incremental improvements that could make the boardwalk a lot better of a place to, to be. Yeah. The incremental improvements that the Seattle DA has, you know, shot all over for (laughs) however many years. (laughs) So, um, Certainly don't count your chickens if we've learned anything, but hopefully this is something that can actually get done. I think that's not that's not in the district that's like super contentious for the CRDA, right? I mean, I think everything is, but <laughs> it's not in the it's not in the Revel Ten Taj area. So hopefully this gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Revel Ten, should we close out with our? The question of is 10 open yet? <laughs> yeah. Is Revel open, Craig? No, it is not. You'll be shocked. 
to I'm know sure. <laughs> that it is not. Uh, so February 20th, the second self-imposed deadline by Glenn Straub uh, to open 10, with the first being, what, June or July 15th or whatever it was, I think June 15th of 2016. Uh, this has come and gone. It has not opened. They still need that mercantile license and health inspections that we talked about, I think, a couple episodes ago. So... Nothing on that front yet. Of course, Glenn Straub uh, blamed the state and said that they're holding everything up. Uh, this article is by Nicholas Huba in the Press of Atlantic City. Glenn Straub said, Who wants to stay in a hotel and eat at a restaurant that does not have liquor? Uh, Once we get that, we can open within 24 hours. The state is holding up everything. We are waiting on them. Um, so... He tells this story frequently, right? The state is holding up everything, except yes, that... I've heard it before. Uh, what we know about that, or at least the latest thing we've heard about that, is that he had not even submitted the paperwork to get the health inspections and the mercantile license done. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to to be on his side in this specific instance. Certainly there is plenty of blame to go to the state and the CRDA, but um, as far as we know he hasn't even gotten the necessary paperwork in to get this stuff. So, you know, he's talking a good game about opening in 24 hours. uh, But, you know, I think he's got some shit he needs to get in order. Uh, And I think that the city has said that they can do these inspections within, you know, a few days, maybe like five days once the paperwork's in. I don't know what the state of that is, um, but, you know, get it in. Let's get this thing done. Do you have any right. thoughts on, on 10, Rebel, whatever? So I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, boy. Okay. What what date do you think that 10 is going to open? And this is just anything. If it's just the hotel, that's fine. It still counts. Uh, and I will pick the over-under and loser has to buy uh, I don't know, a beer or something. A well drink. Um, so a it's, well drink. It's February 23rd. Correct. I'm going to say June 1st. Um No, I I have to I have to take the under, but I feel like it's a sucker's bet. It is absolutely a sucker's bet. I have to take it though. It's a great it's a great over under because it puts Memorial Day before it, which I know, you really right? want I'm it like, to be open if, for Memorial like, Day. They can't possibly miss out on like that much of the quote-unquote summer, which is just Memorial Day. But it's a big weekend. It's a big weekend. Yeah. I mean, I'm going... I'll take the under, but I'm I think going, you're going to be getting a beer. <laughs> I'm going over, and I'm going way over. Yeah. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 4th of July weekend. Which would be, I mean... 2018? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Um, I mean, I think – I do think that once he gets this stuff done, he's going to push it quick. But we've been saying that for seven months now. I mean, it's hard not to lose faith. Just get it done. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I'm going to take the over – I'm going to guess sometime in June. But I think – I think June 1st is a good over-under. I should post a poll in the Facebook group. You're taking the over anyway because you set the line and I took the under. So. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely taking the over. Right. I'm trying to think how far I'd go. 
above that. If it was July 1st, what would you do? Oh, boy. I ah, That's a tough one. I think I'd take the under, but I'd be really nervous about it. <laughs> well, I, I took the under on June 1st, but I'm not – like I, I suspect I'm going to lose, but like I'm just like if they don't open by Memorial Day, like what are they actually doing? I think you could do June, early June and still claim that you opened for the summer. Yeah. You're leaving a lot of money on the table if you do that, though. Yeah, definitely. And, and they're right. not leaving a lot of money on the table by not opening on February 20th. They're not really missing out on much by missing the arbitrary date, the like fifth arbitrary date that he set. Yeah, so, so. we'll see. We're never going to remember this when this actually comes around. We will see. <laughs> so we're done with the news. That took, yeah. Well, not that long considering we talked about our personal life stories for a while. But uh, Yeah, you all know so much more about us now than you did an hour and ten minutes ago. Don't you feel like you have a connection with us now? Surely. Everyone does. <laughs> anyway. Uh our Atlantic City trip. Do we have anything else to announce or talk about? We're going to Atlantic City in two weeks. Uh, you have a room booked, right? Yeah. So me and my brother are sharing a room at Borgata. Um, I will only be there the one night, Friday night, mm-hmm. unless something major changes. But right. me and uh, Paul will both be there Thursday night, right? Yeah. So we are booked. You are not booked. I'm. I'm not booked. I called resorts up. Uh, I don't know, like Monday night or something like that. And tried to book uh, Friday night, and they said they were sold out of the comp rooms, which that happened last time I stayed at resorts as well. I just waited until the week of and then called back, and lo and behold, they had plenty of availability. Because I I speculate it's because everybody books as soon as they can, just if they have any possible chance of going to the hotel, and then they all just cancel the week of when they're not going because it doesn't cost them anything. But uh We've been down this road before, and it has not burned us yet, I don't think. Maybe yeah, once. I, I was looking kind of recently, too, like a day or two ago, and my, my Caesars rates have gone way down as well. So I'm not especially worried. It'll be fine regardless. Yeah, it'll be fine. So I'm I'm probably just going to book the week of. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to do on uh, the trip other than spend some time at the Borgata and see what it's like to stay there uh yeah i mean i've got a huge list of stuff that i'm sure i'm not going to get to 90 percent of it i mean we talked about irish pub that kind of place uh i want to try pharaoh's secret temple or whatever it's called um but mostly i think it's just going to be doing the borgata thing want to spend some time at resorts there are a few restaurants i want to try that we have not tried um Obviously, Budokan, I would like to try Gallagher's Burger Bar, which looks good at resorts. I don't know if we'll actually make it. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff in TROP I'd like to try that I expect I might get to alone on Saturday after you guys are gone. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Actually, one thing I do really, really want to see is uh, the Japanese candy shop at Okache, (laughs) which is uh, the Jose Garces restaurant, one of the two opening I think March 4th at Tropicana. So mm-hmm. that is something I'm I'm really excited to see. Yep. What about you? Anything you're desperate on your list must do? Well, it sounds like we're going to be going to Budokan. That's been something that's been on my list for 
my last like five trips and it just hasn't been something that happened mostly because you have not wanted to go i think but that'll yeah, um, happen this time it's happening it'll happen yeah i think paul's a good person to kind of go with because it seems up his alley too so. absolutely he suggested it actually already weeks ago yes <laughs> thanks paul uh so, you one yeah we're so that's that'll happen um now that i say that with such certainty it won't happen We'll end up in some poker tournament or something till midnight and we're feeding at Bill's Jersey. <laughs> we should do a, We should do a poker tournament again. Yeah. I don't want to do one this trip. I've actually been, I've started listening to a few poker podcasts and stuff recently. I've been listening to more podcasts because I bought wireless headphones. So when I go for a walk and stuff at work, I listen to podcasts. So I've actually added some bandwidth to listen to more podcasts. So Are you listening poker to might be something that I try to spend a little bit more time doing. Daniel Negreanu's podcast? No, I didn't know he had a podcast. Yeah, he does. He tweets about it, it all the time. Is I it n- good? Never listen to it. Yeah, I'll have to. Maybe I'll give it a shot. <laughs> is it about like learning about poker or just like poker hijinks or what? Uh, he interviews a lot of people yeah. in the poker community, mm-hmm. and they sort of talk about like whatever the hot topic is. I think. But uh, no, I don't really have any more news. Uh, I I will be down Thursday and Friday night. Um tweet where we are we will yeah I'll, I'll definitely tweet where i am when i'm when i'm there alone it sounds like you're gonna be getting in like friday after friday afternoon right around noon probably so we can we can meet up and do some stuff either whether it be at you know the borgata or on the boardwalk or whatever it sounds like we're gonna be spending at least you know a lot of friday evening or at late afternoon on the boardwalk so to get uh, our budokan yeah yeah man yeah, sounds good. Oh, I've got some pretty good. Uh, I've got some pretty good offers from Bally's. I think I have uh, forty-five dollar offer on from from Bally's on Friday. I think I actually have one on Thursday as well. Sort of slot play. So, and I think the one on Friday could be ninety dollars. It said I had to swipe. I'm pretty sure mine's five and ten. So nice, you did it. You uh, made it. That's the high rollers. That's what you <laughs> get when you bet as much as I do. Yeah, so with for me with Caesars, I've actually been getting like much bigger offers than I have in the past. I don't know if it's I think it's something they must have done, or maybe they just value me a little bit higher than they have in the past. But like I got offer for a couple days on like Sunday and Monday nights in March, which are whatever they're crappy nights, but they've offered me like a hundred dollar resort credit if I stay there. I think oh nice, which is that's quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's good. You could go pretty far with that so um yeah because usually i get like twenty dollars or something if i go there and that doesn't even cover my resort fee so yeah usually i get dick so (laughs) (laughs) literally no not literally (laughs) that's the caesar's total rewards perk that everybody talks about mr Bally. All right. Anyway, let's, let's <laughs> yeah, just, that's let's a tangent. Just, let's not go down that route. Huh? No, that Anyways. was going nowhere good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? Yeah, I think we should wrap this thing up. Uh, right. It was not quite the tidy episode that we thought it would be, but when is it ever? I, I didn't think we got that out of control. No, 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 no. It's going to so. be like an hour 15. That's fine. Yeah. Hour 20. All right. So anyway, if you want to, uh, Join us on Facebook and talk with a bunch of other people who really like uh, Atlantic City or other East Coast gambling or just kind of gambling and fun in general. Join us 
at our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, you can find more of our great content. Make the content great again at do for a win.com. Make the content uh, again, period. Yeah. Make the content <laughs> again. That is our Some, slogan. Yeah. Something we don't really do other than the podcast, yeah. but especially like, let's be clear here. There's certainly not a lot of content on do for a win, but the content that is there is written by you. So and it's the great. clear weakest link on out of this duo is me. So who knows? Maybe one day I'll write something. Someday. I'm not uh, holding my breath, Kyle. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. You could be, be surprised someday. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, which is something you just added, right, Greg? Yeah, thanks to Linda and the Facebook group for tipping yeah, us off. Yeah, she said she wanted to play it on her uh, Alexa. Echo. Or, yeah. yeah, is it Echo? Uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that word. I think it wakes them up. Oh, but <laughs> anybody listening to this right now, everybody who's listening just speakers. bought like 30 things from Amazon, not through our Amazon link. Cause we don't have one. Yeah, we should have one. That's actually something kind of another conversation we can have kind of early on in an episode in a future episode. Uh, you can reach out to Craig at on Twitter at do for a win. Uh, sometimes even I see it and we'll reply to you, but you're much more likely to get Craig and you can send questions to Craig at do for a win at gmail.com. Any final words, Craig? No, just good luck if you're heading to the casinos, and we'll have another episode before we go, but we definitely hope to see you as we wander around town and gamble and drink in March. Yep, so our next episode should be like oh, probably a week and a half away, but we will talk to you guys then. Uh, thanks for listening as always. So here's the real over-under that you should make that bet with someone else, not me, because I will just take the over and make sure I win. But how many nights do you think I'm going to stay in Vegas if we go? Five. Yeah, I think that's a good over-under. I don't think it'll be under. I think five might be right on, though. Yeah. So five and a half. Yeah, it won't. No, it would, it would be the under. I think I'm going to stay five, I, I would guess. You're going to be so broke. <laughs>